Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, here to bring you the first in our new series as we prepare for the beginning of free agency in just a few weeks, the Falcons roster review, where we're going to be taking a look at the players that the Falcons have under contract, the players that are pending free agents uh, for the Falcons, and also some particular targets to look at for the Falcons, who suddenly have a lot of money to play around with in free agency for the first time in recent memory, right? Uh, We've basically been scrounging for the bargain basement signings, maybe stretching the cap for a player or two here and there. But for the most part, the Falcons have not even been able to consider some of the higher priced premium free agents impact starter type players since 2020, maybe. I mean, maybe even before then, honestly. So, uh, The Falcons under Terry Font and Arthur Smith have done the hard work to get out of their cap nightmare uh, that they were dealing with for both 2021 and 2022. It was obviously turned up a lot in 2022 uh, when the Falcons took on over 83 million in dead cap space, which we talked about a lot last year. It really limited their ability to sign any veteran players to this roster and sort of capped the ceiling of what they could do without, you know, heroic efforts from their rookie class. Um, and thankfully, uh, that hard work has paid off. They now have a very clean cap situation going forward. Obviously, they could ruin that in one season by making a lot of moves, and we'll discuss some of those potential <laughs> moves today. Um, but they do have a lot of money for the first time in a long time, and some resources to address major holes on the roster that have been around for as long as we can remember on, you know, their uh, Wednesday's show Falco Hawk live. We talked about the front seven, um, you know, edge defensive tackle and linebacker, you know, uh, mainly talking about targets and free agency and sort of the priority of those positions. But here in this series, we'll talk a little bit more about the options already on the roster versus the type of players the Falcons could go out and sign. Um, And today we're going to take a look at quarterback where Atlanta uh, has some significant question marks and quite a, you know, three guys under contract. um, But are any of those guys going to be the starter in 2023? That's the big question. Um, So we'll, we'll kick things off here with a discussion about the quarterbacks currently under contract for the Falcons. Um, We've got Marcus Mariota at the top. He is the expensive free agent, right? Um, with fourteen and a half million dedicated to his cap, he was the the starter for most of the year. Uh, we also have Desmond Ritter, the third round rookie, who is 
also under contract through 2025, which is nice. He started the last four games, and he's under contract for the bargain price of just $1.22 million. They also uh, signed Logan Woodside, who has been uh, bounced around a little bit um, to a $1 million contract to, to come to the Falcons as sort of a last-ditch backup when Mariota left the team, allegedly. So um, they do have some guys under contract, but right off the top, we can cross Marcus Mariota's name off this list. I would say there's less than a 1% chance that he's still on this roster at the beginning of free agency. I won't rule out that they could re-sign him at a lower number, but right now the Falcons can save $12 million of that $14.5 million cap hit uh, by releasing Marcus Mariota before the beginning of the season or of the league year in March. Um, and they will all, they will obviously do that. $12 million is way too much money to be paying to a guy that got benched uh, and is not going to be your starter. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed if they can reconcile and bring him back as the as the backup. We know he can run this offense, not necessarily at a high level, but a functional level. I mean, enough to, to win some games here and there. He's a good backup up until everything that went on with him allegedly leaving the team. I think he was, you know, being a good mentor to Ritter and, and being a good teammate. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But as of right now, Desmond Ritter and Logan Woodside are the guys that they have on the roster, and I, I think Woodside is probably more of like a QB3 type of guy. Maybe you're hoping to develop him, but I don't know that I would necessarily trust him as a backup for someone like a Desmond Ritter if Ritter is the, the guy they want to start. Um, so at this point, the Falcons are, are probably, I would assume that Desmond Ritter is the starter. I think that's the most likely place we end up when everything is said and done, right? That the Falcons do end up giving the keys to Desmond Ritter for at least a year to see what he can do. That's my preference. I mean, we talked about his cap hit, right? 1.22 million. He's going to be right around that number through 2025. Um, And look, I think that he showed enough in those four games. You know, I did an episode on it. I think that Ritter has proven himself as at least a guy you, you want to see more of Um, someone who's deserving of the shot uh, to, to have a year to start. Um, you know, you look, and this is obviously a, like a best case scenario example. You look at a guy like Jalen Hurts finally gets opportunities, um, after flashing some to, to be the full-time starter, to really take the reins of the team. And, and it, you know, has transcendent, magnificent results with more reps. Um, Ritter is also very well liked by the coaching staff, the ownership. I mean, Arthur Blank was praising him. I don't think the Falcons necessarily are going to go out of their way to replace Ritter or to get someone else. I think that honestly that they're confident in him as the starter. That doesn't mean they're not going to add anything here, but I, I, it does sort of color my perception of some of the stuff that is, is floating out there. And we'll, we'll get to that before I talk about the potential free. Well, well, we'll get to that, you know, right, right now, basically, as we look at the potential free agent additions. Um, and I, you know, this isn't really about the draft. We'll get to the draft stuff more after the combine um, on the podcast. But I don't really believe the Falcons are going to be interested in drafting a quarterback this year. Maybe on day three. I mean, that's always an option if they just like someone who happens to fall. But if Ritter is the guy that you want to be your starter, I don't really get the point of adding another like rookie behind him to be his backup. That just it's it's a little bit aggressive, right? Like you're you're you probably want a backup that can help mentor Ritter a little bit, maybe a guy that's been around the league a little while. 
um, not another rookie who's also going to be sort of getting his feet wet in the NFL and, and learning the system. Um, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think the Falcons are going to be aggressive to get a Bryce Young, you know, a CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson guy either in the draft. Like they're not going to spend that top pick or try to trade up and get into the the shuffle for those top guys. So that being said, I think free agency is most likely where we would see a move happen. I do believe they will add someone, maybe someone on this list, right? Um, you know, I, I brought up a lot of names here. Um, right off the top, the one that everyone's going to talk about is Lamar Jackson. 26 years old, former league MVP. Uh, we know Jackson, you know, even my f- estimated 40 million a year is probably too low for what he's going to be asking for. It's rumored he wants 45 to 50 per. Um, he's been franchise tagged by the Ravens, so he's not a free agent technically. He is someone that will have to be traded for, and I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be two to three first rounders minimum for Lamar Jackson. Um, and the reason I don't think the Falcons do it even though I think there's a chance that they'll be in the mix, I think there's about a 5% chance that this happens. Um, Really, I think the price is too high. The Falcons really aren't the team that should be making that type of move, to be honest with you. I think they're a year away from... Like, I think if this is 2024, we'd seen a year of Ritter. We knew that he's fine, but not necessarily a guy that's going to elevate. And the roster is in a much better place after you've had a year to sort of entrench some some free agent veterans and get this roster to a competitive level maybe you made the playoffs you know maybe you lost in the first round or won the first game and got bounced in the divisional round or whatever um then I think you might that next year might be the situation where you're like okay we know we have in Desmond Ritter he's a he's a a solid NFL quarterback maybe a good backup but he's not a guy we want to build around um, so we need to go out and make an aggressive move for a quarterback. That's, I think, the type of situation that Lamar Jackson probably should go into, which I think makes him much more logical for a team like the Jets to pursue. Um, I think the price tag is too high for the Falcons, who just went to Great Lakes to clear out all this cap space and to just throw it right all back at a quarterback the year after you just cleaned out your massive cap hit to a quarterback. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I know everyone is comparing this to the Deshaun Watson chase, but the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, had a personal connection to Deshaun Watson. He was not in their plans until Watson personally reached out to Arthur Blank. I think that threw a wrench into everything. I think Arthur Blank made a big mistake going down that rabbit hole, and I'm hopeful that they've learned their lesson from that. And that's not to say anything about Lamar Jackson. I think I would a hundred times prefer Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have the baggage, doesn't have the off-field concerns. I think Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's played recently, right? Unlike Deshaun Watson. Um, so I'm not comparing their situations at all, only that it's a, a going out to get the most premium quarterback on the trade market and probably having to give him $250 million, most of it guaranteed, if not all of it guaranteed, plus three first-round picks. I just don't see that. I think if the Falcons do that, it'll be a big mistake because they're, they're not going to be able to build a team around him. They're basically going to be depending on heroics from Lamar Jackson to get this team into the playoffs and winning playoff games because they're not going to have the cap space or draft capital to really meaningfully improve this roster unless they start nailing their day two and day three picks. Um, this is this is just, I don't, I don't think this is the time for that move, personally. I think we're a year away from that sort of move being a good idea. Um, 
Now, on the other the other hand, Lamar Jackson's a lot of fun. He'd be a lot of fun in Atlanta. He's really a perfect fit for this offense. And maybe you do strike gold there, right? Maybe he is just the perfect fit for this offense. And, and he does elevate this team immediately to that contending status in a pretty weak NFC. And maybe it all works out. Um, and maybe they do nail those draft picks and, 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 you know, it's all fine. But I think it's really risky. Um, you know, anytime you're trading away three firsts and giving out $250 million, it's going to be really risky no matter who the player is. Um, and I personally just don't want to wade into that. So that's still my take on the Lamar Jackson situation, even though I think there's a, a still about a 5% chance that it could happen. I still think he ends up back in Baltimore, to be completely honest. So um, the other big name is like Daniel Jones, but it does seem like the Giants and Daniel Jones want to get a deal done there. Um, and Jones might just want to sign a one-year sort of 20, 25 million deal and see what happens. You know, if he raises his profile, um, maybe he gets paid like a big payday after that, or maybe he signs elsewhere or whatever. Um, I do think Jones does fit this offense pretty well, so he would be a logical guy to consider here. But I don't think, first of all, that he's leaving the Giants. And second of all, I don't think the Falcons are trying to open up the pocketbook that much for a quarterback. Um, So the next group of guys is the ones I think, they're the ones that I I think are much more likely to happen, particularly someone like Jacoby Brissett. who doesn't obviously want to go back to Cleveland considering that they're not, he's not going to have a chance to start there. Um, he will be coming to Atlanta as the, the, you know, he'll be needing to win a competition with Desmond Ritter. But if you're not hundred percent convinced that Ritter is the starter and you want to actually bring in legitimate competition for him, that would be Jacoby Brissett, who I think also fits this offense extremely well. I think, played well for the Browns, wasn't transcendent certainly, but, you know, is is probably a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. Um, so he's going to be more expensive, you know, in that 8 million range. But the Falcons can afford that. It's not a big deal. Um, and I do think he would be able to provide that veteran um, leadership to the quarterback room that they, they don't really have. But he would probably be on the more expensive end of guys. Um, you know, another guy that I really like is, is Taylor Heineke. Similar to Jacoby Brissett, really has the athleticism and the, and the dual threat skill set um, and the passing ability to to fit this offense well. I think he'll be cheaper. I, in some ways, I think Heineke's probably the more likely guy to end up here. I think he's exactly the type of quarterback that's like going to push Ritter but not beat him out more than likely in a camp battle. I mean, this is a guy that really couldn't beat Carson Wentz in a camp battle. So I think he'll be a good veteran backup that won't break the bank. Um, and I like that fit a lot. Uh, I, I do think Heineke is one, maybe my preferred choice overall is Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, there's, there's Teddy Bridgewater. He's been dealing with so many injuries, but again, just a steady veteran quarterback, good backup. Um, Gardner Minshew is a guy, you know, who, who has generally played well as a backup. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him in here. Case Keenum, um, the age there is wrong. Case Keenum is, is much older than 27. I don't know why that got messed up. But anyway, at any rate, Case Keenum would be that, uh, you know, sort of veteran backup, not going to push Ritter in a meaningful way, but someone that could definitely come in and, and carry the load for a few games and provide a lot of experience and be sort of a quarterback coach on the field type of guy. I think he makes a lot of sense if, if the, the Bills don't retain him. Um, and then Kyle Allen from the Texans, another guy that just fits the archetype that Arthur Smith likes. Um, not going to break the bank at all. And um, just a, a solid veteran backup there. So a number of guys, obviously, that 
could certainly be factors uh, could bolster the depth chart here at quarterback. I think any of these guys could work. Um, I think from the Jacoby Brissett line sort of down is the more likely guys to end up in Atlanta. Um, And I think all of these guys could be very good veteran backups for Desmond Ritter. Um, Maybe even, you know, with, as with like Jacoby Brissett could possibly win that camp battle. That would be sad for, for Ritter. But if, if Ritter legitimately gets beat out by Jacoby Brissett, then he's probably not the guy that we're looking for. So, um, I do think that at the end of the day, when the dust clears, it will be Desmond Ritter starting week one of 2023. I obviously hope that he's everything that we hope that he continues his upward trajectory from the final four weeks of the season. And the Falcons have found themselves sort of a, a good young starter. Um, you know, I think the coaching staff and, and Arthur Blank have all said all the right things about setting this up to happen. And I think if they want to maximize the roster around quarterback, the best way to do it is with Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, I, I, we've seen this team for so long have, you know, 25, 30% or more of the cap tied up in quarterback and they failed to do it. You know, they failed to get over the mountain and, and win the Super Bowl. They should have once, right? They had another really good opportunity in 2012 that fell short. So it certainly can be done. And I think they were in, you know, position to do it. So it's not like you can't do it. Um, you know, I, I think that you absolutely can. But I, I guess I'm I'm interested in trying a different method, a different approach here, trying to do the, the rookie quarterback contract, build out the roster approach. And I think that's more likely to to work out for them, um, especially in the NFC as it's currently constructed, where you don't necessarily have to go through this gauntlet of elite quarterbacks to make the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, we saw Jalen Hurts, obviously very good. Um, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady retired. You know, Dak Prescott's fine, um, but he's not terrifying you like the, the guys in the AFC. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is off on darkness retreats and may not even play and it's probably, it may not even come back to the Packers. So, I mean, will he even be in the NFC? Um, Kirk cousins, you know, it's like who really terrifies you from the other NFC quarterbacks? It just, um, there, it's not really intimidating. So I think you can win without an elite quarterback in the NFC right now by building out the rest of your roster and the Falcons roster more than most others desperately needs that talent infusion elsewhere to get it up to a competitive level. Um, so that's what I hope they do. We'll see if they follow my advice or not. Uh, but you know, I'm just some guy on the internet, right? I'm not, I'm not in the biz. You know, I just talk about football. I don't actually make the the hard decisions. I just get to critique them, but I do enjoy critiquing them. And I enjoy you guys watching the Falcoholic podcast. Uh, if you followed us over the past few weeks, you know that the podcast may be changing names. The feed will remain the same for those of you that listen to the podcast audio. Um, it shouldn't change places. You may notice the name change right around the first of the month. I'll keep you posted on that. It shouldn't change much. I'll probably just try to make a slight change to it. It may not be able to carry the SB Nation like branding and officially be called the Falcoholic Podcast, but I'll find some creative way to get around that. Don't worry about that. Um, and there won't be any interruption to the episodes. You'll still get two to three episodes a week, um, and we'll we'll keep it going. But if you're watching on YouTube, uh, nothing should change. The channel name may change at some point if we need to debrand that as well. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, but it'll be here. 
Like, subscribe if you're doing that. If you're listening to the podcast audio, leave us that five-star review because the feed will stay the same. So those reviews still really help us out. I appreciate it. I know on Spotify, we have like over 80 reviews now. So thank you guys so much for that. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And if you're interested in supporting the show, um, like I said, you know, Vox has, has cut the funding for this. We're going to try to secure our own funding. But if you do want to support us, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Uh, you get access to ad-free early versions of all these podcast episodes as well as access to some exclusive content, Q&As, uh, a patron channel on the Discord, um, some other perks like that. So check that out as well. But thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Like I said, I'm Kevin Knight. I have Falcoholic. Kevin, tune into the Falcoholic for all that tremendous written content. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Podcast. Have a great day, folks.